Hey there! Welcome to Imperfectly Pollyanna. I am your host, Courtney, a faith-filled homeschool mom of two, certified health coach, medical professional, and eternal optimist. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing someone who I just happened to have met on the interwebs. You may find this becoming a pattern, by the way, because believe it or not, there are still cool people that grace the internet with their goodness, and I seem to keep finding them. With spring finally arriving, I always feel so inspired by the outdoors. I remember my grandmother always sitting outside in her garden, pulling weeds, planting new bulbs, and simply looking so elegant, even in the dirt. While I've not totally learned how to have a green thumb, I am determined to keep trying. Even if it means I kill weeds on accident. I've lucked out with a few plants that somehow continue to come back every year despite my inability to do anything other than see if they'll grow again each spring. That's why I'm really excited for you to join me for this interview episode in which we will learn together on gardening. Things like when to plant, what to plant, especially for newbies or black thumbs, and how to get your kids involved, or at least keep them from blessing our gardens with their sweet, curious hands. As a little heads up and confession, this is my very first interview for the podcast. I am learning as I go, so I am thanking you ahead of time for being patient and understanding with any type of technical issues. Now, let's get started. Stephanie Leaf is a mother, wife, entrepreneur, freelance writer, and simple living strategist and coach. She helps busy modern moms create a simpler, healthier, more homegrown, and cozier life for their families. With her husband, Brian, they have been working to transform their families' lives to be more self-sufficient, healthy, and intentional. Stephanie is the founder of the blog, Winging It on the Homestead, where she shares recipes, tips, tricks, and their family's journey to simple living. So thank you, Stephanie, for being here. I'm so excited. Hi, Courtney. Thank you for having me. Well, I am just looking forward to all the things I wanted. I feel like I needed like talk about all the things, <laughs> but maybe that's for like another day. I'd really like to just kind of start by letting the, our listeners learn more about you. So would you mind just kind of sharing what is it that led you to wanting this type of a lifestyle and including like how you got started doing the blog and like, what was your vision for that? Sure. So thanks again for having me. Um, I was not born and raised in like a homesteading or like farm atmosphere or anything. So it definitely came on once I started having a family. Uh, when my husband and I bought our property, I don't know, eight or so years now before we had our kids, we um, decided to have a garden. And it was kind of my mom and my project. We, you know, never had a garden growing up. So we kind of dove right in as we do with anything, just kind of see what, see what works. So we started with the garden and honestly, it just kind of steamrolled from there. It was really, it was really inspiring to be able to create and work with your hands and, and uh, grow something that then, you know, the whole life cycle of growing from seeds in your garden and then harvesting. And it was just really addicting, honestly. So, and my husband is very handy. He's a Mason. So there's always this kind of do it yourself atmosphere, fixing it, you know, you know, salvaging whatever we can. So that just all kind of came together. And then once we had kids, it was really like really a more intention to teach them how to do things. So food awareness and and all these things that come with it. Um, I used to work um, a corporate job. And so I left that so that I could stay home with the kids and be more um, 
intentional and have more of a homegrown, healthy, homemade lifestyle. Um, and it's really been a lot of fun. I love it. I love it. Now, how can you remind me, how old are your kids again? My oldest is four and then I have a three-year-old and a six-month-old. So, so you've got quite a busy household. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> On top of homesteading. So what are some things that maybe you've done? Because I think for me, I have never been a gardener. I like to think that I would be a gardener, but I always joke around that, like I kill weeds on accident. So <laughs> I'm like, I need help. And you know, we have an aeroponic garden, which is great because then I don't have to like struggle as much. I've tried to get my kids involved in helping even harvest and plant and pick those types of things out from a young age. But, um, you know, if you wouldn't mind sharing some tips, I am here for it. So, so as, like I said, we do anything, um, and I wouldn't necessarily recommend this, but we just kind of throw, you know, caution to the wind and just dive in, which is good because we learn a lot. Um, it's not always perfection, but I'd say the first year that we got started, we overgrew everything. We just threw anything that sounded good in the, in the garden and something stuck, some things didn't. Um, so it was really trial and error, but I think the main thing when you're getting started is just not really to be afraid of it either. I would say either to plan really well or to not be afraid and just go for it. You know, <laughs> either one of those things. When we started a garden eight years now, we've kind of just taken it one year at a time and we've continued to grow and add and change and alter. And, and as my kids have grown, they're just always there with me. They kind of have to be, or the garden wouldn't happen. I'll bring, I'll drag a a um, pack and play out to the garden. Kids will play in the pack and play or um, when there's play yards. And that's one of the things too, that we tried to be intentional with where we were placing our garden so that we could also involve the kids in some way or another, make sure that they're safe and they're available there and that they can be within the garden. One of the things that I think is important maybe is to even fence in your garden. That way you're also including your kids in the garden and you, you know, <laughs> they're not running away. Um, so there's lots of things you can do to get your kids involved um, or at least exposed. And then they just kind of get a curious, you know, kids are curious. So they want to get involved in there's so many benefits of gardening in general for kids. Sure. So could you like expand upon that? Just kind of talking about, I mean, are your, are your kids one to really, I know that they're still young, but are they ones to really enjoy? I know like for my kids, I have one that wouldn't mind getting dirty and then they'll get down in the soil. The other one is like, nope, I'm not having it. So what are some ways that like you've included them? Do they get to help plant the seeds or anything like that? So I do think that this is one of the reasons I really love gardening also is because there's so many different duties and chores and things with them that you can really give a job to anyone. You could give a job to an 18 month old, you know, you could have them move rocks or just shovel dirt and sometimes mindless things too, or things that aren't really doing anything, you know, move the rocks from this place over here, but um, getting them feeling like they're involved. So my one, my middle child, he definitely likes getting dirty to a point And then he like freaks out. He's like, oh my gosh, too much. Um, after a couple of years, it's important because they are able to see the fruits of it, you know, the, the vegetables and, and the aware, the food awareness that comes from it, knowing that it came from the garden um, really helps also with like healthy eating habits um, and all those types of things. Uh, as far as getting them other involved, it's like we were doing seeds the other day. And I think what's important too is knowing that it's not going to be perfect. So had a tray of seeds and I'm putting the seeds and, you know, seeds are getting dumped in there. So 
we'll see what we have in that tray, but kind of to designate maybe a tray for them or a garden bed for the kids, you know, something that's, you know, they're learning and it's not going to also mess, you know, impede on what you're working on otherwise, because it is important for them to get involved. And you know, it's not going to be perfect. So I think that's in everything. I'm sure, you know, when you're getting them in the kitchen or you're getting them anywhere that you're teaching, you just have to kind of set an intention beforehand that it's not going to be perfect. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know that that's something that I struggle with because like you said, with literally everything I have in my mind, like, oh, this picture of how it has to be and whether it's homeschooling or it's, you know, gardening or just, or even my house, keeping my house clean. It's like, it's not living up to my mother's standards. I'm, I'm totally failing at life right now. And then I've had to just let go of that because I'm not my mother or I'm not that other person, you know, I am me, but so I, yeah, I really love what you're saying about getting them involved and just letting, letting that go. Is there a certain talking about gardening? Is there a certain time frame? I know that typically you wait until like after the first or the last frost, I mean, to really plant. Is there a certain time of month that is like the best time to plant? And is there a certain time that like is probably too late in the year to plant? So I guess, it, you know, it all depends on where you're located. So there's, you know, if we're getting into the beginnings of gardening, so you would want to know um, your last freeze date getting into spring, which is the last date that you average date that you would expect to see a freeze overnight that would kill your plants if you had them in the ground. Uh, so right now we're in, we're in March and I've done some seeds um, started some seeds because typically you wait six to eight weeks before, and that would put us into May where I'm located anyways, which is in Maryland. So nothing will go in the ground except for maybe some cold weather stuff like potatoes and, and uh, spinaches and things. I'll put them in the ground a couple weeks before, once I can start tilling the ground after the, the last freeze date, we'll start putting things in the ground. So I guess like August, you know, if it's, you're looking at too late, there's always seasonal stuff. So you can do a fall garden. So it's even if you get into spring or into late into summer, you can start planting a fall garden. There's tons of ways to extend your season as well using, um, you know, greenhouse methods and cold frames and stuff like that. I don't think that there's any time to not be excited about gardening. Although right now we are in full force of super motivation. I'm itchy, itching to get out. There's no, like, I wouldn't say it's too late. You can always do something. Even if you're just doing inside, even if you're in the dead of winter, there's tons of things you can do like microgreens and, and find some different ways and techniques to have fresh greens all year round. Definitely. Even though it is seasonal. Do you do any raised beds or is all of your stuff in the ground? We have a couple of different things. There's usually, this is one of the things that I tell people when they're first starting is location is one of the first decisions you have to make when you're deciding. So whether you're doing raised beds or you're doing in-ground planting or container gardens, or you can do something that's like called edible landscaping, where you're actually just planting within your, whatever you have, like flower beds, and you're just putting plants within that, whatever you already have established. So I have six raised beds right now, and then I have an in-ground plot that I'm doing typically for stuff that is comes back every year. So I have my strawberries in there, I have my blueberry bushes, and I'm going to be doing all my root vegetables because that area is pretty well tilled. So I don't have to worry about rocks. So I'm going to do my carrots and my potatoes and onions in there. And then I also have an area where I do flowers and herbs. So that's kind of like in with each other, just wherever. And then I'm also doing something new every year. I kind of try to expand. So we have this like really steep hill, very steep hill out my back which is like a 
a thorn in my side because it's I swear it's a snake den and it's got I gotta weed it. So I am tearing it out this year and we are doing some kind of planting, utilizing the space for some more vegetables. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, we kind of utilize all all different methods. I know you talked about whenever you first got started with everything and it was a project for you and your mom, which I love by the way. Whenever you first started, was it on the land that you're on now, or did you start before that? It is on the land that, that we're on now. It, what we first started was like a, it was maybe about an eight by 12 area of plot was like our first garden. So it's not overly huge, but definitely enough. And I mean, we made so many mistakes. We stuffed, I don't even know how much stuff in there. And like, you know, you just, you see the little plants at the store and you, you put them in and then it was a, it was a jungle. As we've grown, I mean, it's been like eight years now, we've decided what really works that well there, what doesn't, and then we've moved uh, things out. So that was uh, definitely an experimental year. And I'm not sure that we got that much harvest, honestly, except we were drowning in cucumbers. I knew that. But so, yeah, it, like I said, we started small as far as, lo- as, far as uh, land goes, but then we've expanded every year. I had to laugh about the whole cucumber thing because my very first year trying our vertical garden, I got all gung ho. I was like, I want tomatoes and I want cucumbers. So I planted like four, three or four tomato plants, both beefsteak and cherries. And then I planted a couple, maybe like one or two cucumber plants. The cucumbers like just completely took over the whole tower. And then I, I had had so many cucumbers that I was like, I'm pulling this plant out. And as soon as I did that, then all my tomatoes started to really ripen up. And then I was overwhelmed with tomatoes. I was like, who knew like this was possible. So I completely feel your pain on, you know, that struggle of having too many cucumbers. That's a problem to, that's good to have (laughs) for somebody that was brand new. They want to be able to garden, but they totally think that they're going to be incapable of doing it. Are there three to five different types of plants that are kind of like foolproof, you know, like that are easier, you know, that you don't have to do a lot with, or they'll grow in like all circumstances. I think a lot of the hesitations or not hesitations, but I guess some of the reasons people come to me and they say like, I don't know if I can garden or, you know, the reasons for not gardening is one is your lack of land, not thinking you have enough space. So there are really, there are tons of options for that. First of all, like I was saying before, raised beds or containers. Containers are really great for first time gardeners when they're trying to determine where they even want to plant it. Like, let's say you decide it's May and you really want to plant, but you don't know where, like start with containers. Like if you get into the, the uh, gardening center and you just can't help yourself, like do some containers, um, then you can move things around. You can try things out. They're really great for that try to get some small, they make, they breed these, you know, the plants so that you, they have some compact ones. So they'll have like bush beans or something instead of like a big trailing thing. So look for the compact ones. You can sometimes see that they're called contain, like they might have container on there. They might have small space. They might have patio. If you can see patio, like tomatoes or patio cucumbers or whatever, that means that they're supposed to be for a small space, but you can always start with herbs. You can't kill mint, no matter how hard you want to try. Because you can't kill it, don't put it directly in your ground. You know, put it in a container. Even if you're going to plant it in the ground, put it in a container in the ground because it's going to take over your whole garden. But mint is a really lovely plant to have like outside, right on your patio. There's tons of things you can do with it throughout the year. So mint is something I definitely recommend. And then I also recommend doing for me, and again, it depends on your location, zucchini and squash, 
do really well for me. I have them every year, but I only plant one or two because we'll have them growing like crazy. Let's see what else. Uh, def- like uh, start with herbs, I would say. So your dills, your basils, your oreganos, those things are really great for your patios, for your small spaces. Peppers, your hot peppers, your ba- your banana peppers, your, your bell peppers, but don't plant them together or they'll cross pollinate. And then your sweet pepper, your hot peppers won't be as sweet, you know? So, and then just like a good cherry tomato is always nice, especially if you have, if you have kids, I love having um, our cherry tomatoes. We have like back in our raised beds, which is like up on the side of our house, but I always love to plant another cherry tomato, either right outside our patio or, or over like where we go to get to our cars and stuff, because the kids just, just love to eat them. You know, whenever it's like so cool to just be able to to eat them when you, when you uh, walk by. So I love that. I love my kids, especially my daughter. She's eight and she loves cherry tomatoes. So every year we have to have at least one plant of cherry tomatoes. We will have so many. And sometimes I don't even get any during a season because as soon as she sees one, you know, ripen up, she's out there and picking it and just eating it straight off. But I love it. I think it's great. I'm not going to be like, no, don't eat the tomatoes. (laughs) But I definitely noticed that they've been more willing to try things as they've been able to help grow the things. Like you said earlier, seeing the fruit of your labors, they are involved in planting the seed or even if like they're literally doing busy work, but they feel like they're a part of it. And then being able to see that plant grow and, you know, and you don't have to wait years. I mean, my kids would love to grow an apple tree, but that takes a little bit longer than, you know, a tomato plant. So I love having that involved with it. Do you guys use, um, like whenever you plant, do you look specifically for organic seeds? Do you do heirloom seeds or non-GMO or do you just do you um, like reuse, you know, like, what is it? Harvest your own seeds to reuse? We have not harvested our own. That's probably our next project. We've gotten really serious with doing our seed starting over the last couple of years, because that's kind of, you know, something to get a handle on. Um, because before, you know, when we first started, we didn't do seeds. We just bought the the plants from the store. So now we're getting, we're last couple of years been doing seed starts. Um, I, I, just kind of buy what I like. I do kind of go for, for, um, organic or non-GMO. I try to be as, you know, organic as possible on our garden. So, uh, that's a really great place to start. I don't, I would love to harvest our own seeds. Then you're just completely self-sufficient. You know, you, you know, you're not relying on anything else, which is really awesome. Yeah. I, yeah, I completely agree. I, I have in my head, especially whenever we were first starting, you know, I was like, Oh, I don't want to have to depend on anybody. But then you kind of, you know, you try different things. Like you said, you just try different things, see what works, what doesn't work. And then whenever COVID hit, there were so many people like, because grocery stores were out of food or people couldn't get to the grocery store as easily or, you know, whatever. And I know that I talked to a lot of people, especially at the beginning of everything that they're like, how can I get fresh food? Because I don't garden. I don't know how to garden, but I feel like I need to. And so, so many people were learning how to do it, just figuring it out. (laughs) So, well, there's really been a huge, um, it's really a movement really coming through, um, that is people just wanting to kind of get back to their basics and evaluate what they're able to do for themselves and their family. And 
that's why there's, but you have seen a lot of shortage in seeds this year or last year, more seeds aren't as bad this year, a lot of shortage in canning lids, like all kinds of that stuff. People are really starting this to do this more, which is really great to bring back these time honored skills and um, traditional things that, that really do make, you know, are important for people to know. So what kind of things have you, have you or your family seen like since moving and like transitioning in this type of a lifestyle, being more self-sufficient and eating fresh food, you know, um, cutting out more processed foods and that kind of stuff. So have you guys seen a significant change just by growing your own food? So I have seen, so last year, well, we've been doing our grow, growing our own food. Um, and then for things that we don't grow, we've really kind of tried to transition to buying locally. So for, like we don't have fruit trees, but there's orchards around us. So I've been really trying to um, find what's in season. So last year we did a bunch of peaches. We found a, um, you know, there's an orchard near us. We do peaches. So we buy bushels of peaches and then we can those. So even if it's something we're not able to do ourselves, we find somewhere locally um, that can do that. And so that's something too, I recommend that if someone doesn't have like tons of space to have your own chickens and your own goats and all these things to find local local places for this. So I think in doing that, just the intention and awareness of really everything that we're purchasing has really become more important to us. So like I said, finding alternatives, we kind of take it step by step. So, okay. Like bread, like is that something I can make? I can start making my own bread. Like, so like we were talking before of like doing all the things it's really for us, it's just kind of been like a step at a time. And once we master that or feel comfortable with it and comfortable in a way that we're able to really incorporate it into our daily life um, so that we're not overwhelmed, then we'll, we move on to something else. I, I love the idea of doing now, like going to farmer's markets or buying local. I know that for us now, last year, all the farmer's markets were shut down. And so that was really disappointing, not just for those of us that like to go to the farmer's markets, but also for those that I can imagine are going and selling, you know, they've missed out on that. So, but we've been able to at least still find places, local stores that will carry those locally grown things. Um, there's not too many around here that do that, but there are a few. And I've noticed like for us, whenever we, you know, we crave what we feed ourselves. So whenever we're eating more salads or fresh fruits and veggies, you know, just that kind of stuff, fresh food, homemade food, we tend to then want to gradually eat something else that's healthier. So with my kids, if they have a high carb breakfast, empty carb breakfast, then, and I'm the same way, if I have some kind of awful (laughs) breakfast, but it's breakfast, you know, then later on in the day, my blood sugars crashed and I'm like, I need to eat all the things. And then you don't want to eat healthy things. You just want to eat what's ever available. And my kids are the same way. So I really can appreciate going and making sure that if you can't grow your own things, or maybe you're not growing things that you need, you know, you're growing other things, but finding that locally grown, because then it's less time that they've been packaged and shipped or processed or, you know, what have you. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that like when, when I start incorporating more like fruits and vegetables, as like snacks for the kids instead of like other stuff they are excited about that and they want, you know, they want it more and more and, and shopping locally 
purchasing like fruits and vegetables. And even if you're not growing them yourself, but you buy them in bulk, then you can preserve them for the entire year. And, and so using those things, uh, I, I, I agree that the kids tend to, to enjoy that stuff as well. I'm really glad that we're heading into a, into warmer months because then there's that higher opportunity of finding the fresh stuff. I think that winter time is such a struggle, at least it is for me to, because you're not going to find those fresh fruits that you would in summertime because it's just not the season for them. So I'm really excited that we're going into warmer weather and um, I'm excited. I know my kids are excited about watermelon. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes, definitely. I've been debating on whether to grow watermelon because we eat a lot, but it's a lot of watermelon, <laughs> but I guess you, you can always give your, you can always give your stuff away and, and give it to people. So, yeah. Yeah. We had, um, we've tried to grow watermelon on the tower and it's worked twice, but we use the sugar baby variety. So they're naturally smaller. Um, and they're super cute, but they don't get very big at all. And so last summer we did it. And of course it takes longer to grow. And before, whenever we tried it, we had chickens at that time and they enjoyed the fruits of our labor before we could get to them. But last year we grew one and we finally just waited until we just couldn't take it anymore. And we enjoyed cutting it open and enjoy. It was super cute and it was delicious. It was small. There wasn't a lot there, but it was still fun to do. All that stuff is fun. And the kids really do enjoy it. I mean, they are, they are about as excited as I am this year to start, start gardening, which is kind of funny. <laughs> And I love that, like, if you're starting them so young, then it just becomes what you do. Like, they just know this is what we do every year. And then as they learn more and they grow physically, you know, they start grasping more concepts and wanting to be more involved. And it's something like you, you have more the duties and the chores and the things like evolve as they get older, they'll be able to do, use more diff different tools and, and more advanced, you know, types of things like that. And I, I just really like the idea that I'm, that I'm teaching them food skills, you know, like how to grow their own food. They're a little young to learn how to cook, but I get them in, you know, baking and stuff, but teaching them how to feed themselves. It sounds so simple, but they'll never really go hungry if you can teach the kids how to do this stuff. So absolutely. It's kind of like, um, in homeschooling, we do interest led learning. So we use what's called fun schooling journals and they're so much fun and they have different types of themes. And so they basically get to pick out books that they want from the library and then they use those books to fill out their journals. And so they're learning all different types of things. But like for science, my son has different books that are like experiments and sometimes kitchen experiments. So he gets to experiment by making these foods. And so that's part of his science but it's something that he's interested in. So he's learned how to make omelets and he's learned how to make cakes and cookies and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's a lot of fun to basically show them, like you said, show them how to be self-sufficient at the age level that's right for them at that time, and then build on that as you go. And then they can also see as you're learning right along with them, they can see, oh, well, it's okay. Because if mom messes up, she doesn't just throw in the towel and say, never mind, we'll just go back to the easy way. You know, they see, oh no, she's trying again. So let's troubleshoot things. So there's so many learning things to do. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's so many, there's so, like you said, there's so much. And I love the aspect of it being a family thing. So it's also like a team effort and like everyone's working towards putting food on the table. Uh, and also like just learning 
you know, like learning, like lifelong learning and, and really feeding your, your knowledge. Um, and like you said, if you mess, make up, if you make a mistake, then that's just teaching you to be resourceful um, and how to problem solve and, and letting your kids have that ability to be like, okay, this didn't work. What do you, what are your suggestions? What do you think? And, and trying things out. I really just think it provides another aspect, avenue in their life that they can learn and nurture them. And something that if you don't have that, those life skills necessarily, or you're not nurturing them daily, then you, you know, you just don't have that, that extra avenue. If you had somebody that was Let's say they were wanting to get started. They're like, I'm going to do this. This is my <laughs> year. We're going to yeah. do this as a family. Mm-hmm. Yes. Are there things that you can, are there things that like you wished you would have known at the beginning? I know some stuff, it, it's actually fun to have that trial and error stuff, but are there a couple of things that maybe you would tell somebody like, Hey, learn from me. Right. So I, I love to just throw things to the wind, but I love to just wing it, but I think that you can, you can do all that, but be a little bit structured, which is what I recommend. So there's a couple of decisions that you have to make, even if you're not fully set on them or you don't have them planned out to a T you have to decide, well, first you have to learn and understand your growing season, where you live, what your, um, like where your, you know, your freeze dates, your zone, your growing zone. So that you can really understand what your season season, your growing season looks like. Some places have a really small season. Some places have a really long season, which really will uh, depend and determine what plants you're going to be successful in planting. So that's one thing. And then also to determine, like we talked about earlier, a location. So where are you going to plant? And then to determine what you're going to plant. So those are kind of like three very, very basic decisions. I think people really need to determine and plan decisions on make, choosing a location, I would choose something close to the house, especially this is your first year, as close to the house as possible. Um, for many reasons, you're going to check it more often, you're going to water it more often, you're going to be more attentive to observing it. If you have little kids, and you can only garden at, at night and in the middle, you know, at nap time, you won't have to be far from the house. So those are some things as far as location, make sure you have water. <laughs> it sounds like common sense, but um, it's not. So make sure you have easily, easily accessible water. As far as what you're growing, really determine what it is that your family eats. So I know when we first started, I planted, uh, we planted everything and we planted eggplant. Not that, I mean, I like eggplant and my family likes eggplant, but I wasn't prepared to cook and prepare tons of eggplant because I just didn't have the recipes. And I just think about what it is that you really want to, to eat and to have don't plant things you don't like, and you're not going to eat. And then also what is like most expensive at the store, right? So what's going to be worth your while. So it may not, if you don't eat that much cabbage, growing a bunch of cabbage may not be necessary. Growing radishes when they're only like a single radish or something might not be necessary either. So kind of plan those kinds of things. I have a couple of resources that I have this all lined up, um, you know, easily step-by-step. So that's what I would start with is those couple decisions. And then the, the rest of it is really just breaking ground and just doing it. So you mentioned some resources. Can we talk about first, like where can people go? I know everybody can Google things, but where can people go like to find out what zone they're in? Do you have a suggestion for that? So for your zone, I usually like to go to the old farmer's almanac. You can find your zone there. You can also find all your average 
freeze dates and frost dates. So you can find your last frost date, which is important with starting your garden in the spring. And then you also can find your first fr frost date, which is going into fall. And when you, you know, you can't harvest certain things afterwards. So I would go to the old farmer's almanac is where I go for that, those kinds of dates and things. And you can just put in your zip code and, and get your growing zone. Okay, great. Well, thank you. I'll make sure to, I'm going to link that in the show notes for everybody so that they can see that. So what else would you suggest as far as, as far as resources are concerned? I know you, um, have a really great gardening guide. So could you talk about that? Sure. So I have a gardening guide, which will, um, walk you through completely free and it will walk you through all the steps, uh, all the decisions you have to make. It kind of goes through whether or not, you know, your locations and, and how to determine your locations, how to determine what to grow, how to determine when to grow how to determine if you want to do start from seed or from starts, which I do recommend if you're very first year, to just grab some, some stuff from the store. You're going to kind of increase your success, you know, possibility by just cutting out the seed starting. Not that it's hard to start seeds, but you know, you can always grab, they've already done the hard work for you at that point. And then it's got some really great options as far as plotting. So it shows you how you can plot uh, all your vegetables. And then it also has areas for you to um, notes for observations, because it is going to be important for you, especially in your first year to observe any pests that you have any kind of um, problems. Um, Cause your plants can get disease or pests. And to just know that from one year to the next, it's very important to take notes. So it's got all that in there. It's a really great resource for getting started. That sounds fantastic. That like is all the things that I need. <laughs> So how can they get that? Do they go to your blog or? You can go to www.yourdreamgardenguide.com and grab that for free. Great. Would that be okay to put in the show notes as well? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. And then how else can people find you? Uh, well, I have a blog. It's called Winging It on the Homestead where I have all of my um, recipes and all of my guides and everything like that, that you can uh, follow along with and um, you can also email me, go to the website and email me if you ever have any questions. I love helping people get started with gardening. That's fantastic. Thank you. I have so enjoyed this. I have like all these things now that I'm thinking, okay, now I can try this or that or whatever. And I think for me, um, you know, for my takeaways, just from us chatting is really letting go of the idea that everything has to be perfect include the kids at whatever level they can do. And they can probably do more than you really think that they're catching on to. You can just say here, try this. And then before you know it, they're like, oh, well, I found this over here and I want to do this or that. And so I, I definitely want to make sure that I'm including the kids, um, with things that we do, helping them learn how to grow, be self-sufficient themselves and, um, and really looking into, I, I think I need to look into like I've heard of what zone I'm in before, but I've really not paid too much attention to it, but I'm like you where every year I try to add something else to try. So sometimes it's adding a new plant to my tower, but then other times we have two raised beds. And so I try to like, well, let's just see what happens in this one. And, and I totally just throw stuff in there and we see what happens. So I would like to be a little bit more intentional now that I've done that a couple of years to be able to say, okay, now let's pay attention. Like what can we do to help it? So I just really appreciate all of this, all the information that you've given me. Oh, well, good. Well, I'm hoping it was helpful. Thank, thank you. 
um, for, for talking with me today. This was great. Well, thanks. Well, I guess um, maybe we can do this again sometime and we yeah, can hear definitely. like questions that people have and try to address those things or maybe questions that I have and address my <laughs> issues. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'll we come can and say, a, please help a me. mid garden season and, and uh, address all the issues everyone's having. Sounds that's great. right. That's right. Yeah. I'll bring my list. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Well, great. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode and gained some tips and inspiration. Since recording this interview, Stephanie has launched a podcast of her own. I will link it in the show notes along with the other resources mentioned. She recently had me on her show to talk all things homeschooling, and I think you'd really enjoy heading over there as well. Our families have all had a tough year. Now is the perfect time to start something new and fun. Take some chances, plant some seeds, and just see what grows. And yes, I'm talking about much more than simply growing a garden. If you've not seen it yet or aren't in my private Facebook group, I shared a free e-recipe book for all things fresh produce related. That Facebook group is an extension of this little corner of the world. You can find it linked in the show notes or by searching Imperfectly Pollyanna, Finding the Good. If you've not done so already, I encourage you to follow this podcast on the platform you are listening to right now. It is free and will give you an alert the next time an episode airs. I'm hoping this podcast finds those needing encouragement, support, and community. If that's you, you found a friend. If you know of someone who would enjoy being a part, I'd love you to share it with them. I hope you'll continue showing up as we find the good together. Remember, you are loved, and I am glad you're here. See you next time.